Hello there and welcome to This Is My World podcast episode 17. Who the hell is Randy Martinez? And of course, I am your host, Janet. And I'm so glad you are able to join us tonight. And before we get started with Randy, hi, Randy. Hello, how's it going? Good, how are you? Um, okay, just uh, at home, like a lot of other people. exactly so before I get started asking you questions I do want to give a humongous big shout out to two of my biggest supporters and of course when this is all over and you need a great DJ service for any of your uh, special occasions celebrations, birthdays, weddings corporate events make sure you hit up my friend DJ Gil B on his Instagram page and that's DJ Gil B D J G I L B double E. And of course, like always, I use B Flawless Cosmetics as my makeup. And I do take care of my skin on a daily basis, even so, you know, we're not going anywhere, but it's very important to take care of yourself. Um, make sure you guys hit up. Uh, my friend Judy for a virtual free consultation and she does have a new skincare uh, products coming up which is called JC Complete, Complete excuse me, Skin Health and you may give her a call again like I said for a free virtual consultation and this is for females and males <clears throat> the phone number is 951 951- Two seven two four four five five, and you may also check them out on their website, which is www.beflawlessskin.com. Hello, Randy. Woo-woo. Hello. All right. That was pretty impressive. I was I was impressed. Oh well, thank you. <laughs> because if I if I go to a if I go to a party and Gil B is not DJing, I will leave. You. I won't go to a party unless DJ Gilby is there. Yes. He, he, <laughs> he is amazing. He's, yeah, he's... And, it, and any girls not wearing B flawless, I don't even talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> just, thought I, you know, just thought I'd help you shout them out. <laughs> hey, you make you should give them a call. You you take care of your skin, right, Randy? Um I guess avoiding manual labor is a way of uh, protecting your skin, so sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm, in, I'm indoors most of the time. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Okay, Randy, can you share with my listeners more about yourself? Who is Randy Martinez? What is your occupation? I know you for many years, so I know. Longer than we like to admit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So if you can share uh, a little bit with my listeners um, who you are and what do you do? Well, let's see. Oh, where do I start? Um, it all started as a, a, a musician, composer that didn't really get very far. Um, it's still something I do, but I don't really touch it as, you know, as much as I'd like to just because I wasn't as successful at it. And I ended up in, doing uh, computer graphics and special effects. And that's that's where I, you know, spent most of my career was was doing that. And uh, but I am, you know, I still have, you know, other aspirations. I'm still trying to be a writer, director, you know, just trying to be creative any way I can. But currently, I am working at a show for CBS called The Talk, and I, I, their, anim, their, their animator and whatever they need graphically, I, I'm there to do it. Um, but I still dabble in music from time to time. I do photography, um, trying to get my writing out there and trying to get into directing. Um, I also do a radio show with Lou Pizarro. Uh, we've been doing that probably six or seven years. Um, so, yeah, so, so I, I, I'm the, the executive producer slash co-host and I own the studio. So I'm also the engineer. So yeah, I, I, a lot of stuff on my plate. Of course. And just FYI, everyone, if you guys see any of my professional 
uh, pictures, I always uh, tag Randy. He is my go-to photographer. Uh, so yeah, make sure if you guys want awesome, you know, pictures and stuff, hit him up. Can you? Oh, we, yeah, we go back to Glow him. Entertainment. Woo woo! Remember that? Yeah. Yes. I hear it's making a comeback. Is that true? Something like that. I saw some posts that maybe it was coming um, back. I don't know. Something maybe. you're considering? Yeah, I, I, I'm considering it. Um, okay. What we'll see. What's yeah, your when Instagram page? Oh, uh, Stylatarium. I, I know it's weird. It's S T Y L A T A R I U M. And a lot of people wonder, they're like, what does that mean? What is that? And they always say it's stellarium. With, like, it's stylitarium. That was an old... Because back in the day, I, I had a lot of bands. And a lot of them never really... We never really could agree on a band name. And stylitarium was a name that I was always pushing. But none of the other members wanted to do it. Because I, I, I have a really weird way of looking at music. I don't think there should be boundaries. I think you should be able to mix whatever you feel like. So I would get a lot of different styles of music and I'd mash it all together like in some sort of sanitarium minor key kind of thing. So it kind of was like a, a sanitarium of different styles of music. So it became stylitarium. And no, none of the other band members really wanted to go along with it. So then I just renamed my, my, myself. I labeled myself the great stylitarium kind of like Edge or Slash, you know, it was, it was supposed to be my guitarist name. And um, it just stuck. That's that's just what, it, I stuck with it. And I still I still use it. Yeah. You should. Yeah. A little birdie told me Uh-oh. that you are currently working with Lou Pizarro um, on the Operation Repo movie. And for yep. those of you that don't know who Lou Pizarro or Operation Repo uh, is. Uh, Lou Pizarro is an amazing director. Oh my goodness, what does what does he not do? He's another like you. Um, yeah, well, he, yeah, he took it further. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Um, and of course, Operation Repo was a show that was uh, televised in Channel Twenty Two. Um, then it went from Spanish to English on True TV, right? Yeah, well, in like in the very beginning, because I was working at Telemundo, which was owned by by uh, NBC. NBC also owned Channel 22, which mm-hmm. bought the very original Spanish episodes of Operation Repo. And I was in the promotions department. So we started getting promotional elements of the show because we had to make all the promos, all the print ads. There were bus posters everywhere. I mean, it, we, there was a huge campaign for Operacion Repo. So I was in the promotions department and I got my hands on you know some of the early episodes. And I noticed in one of the early episodes that they were filming on my street. I live in Silmar and they were filming on my street. And I go, what? So then I actually got to meet Lou. I had to run out some to the alley and give him a hard drive with some elements. And I said, hey, you were filming on my street. And he's like, oh, really? Where do you live? I'm like, I live in, Sil- you know, in Silmar. He's like, what? I live in Silmar. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, he's like, I grew up there. It turns out we went to the same high school. Same, you know, we knew a lot of the same things. He was, you know, older, so he graduated right before I got there. But right. it was funny that we, we ended up being from the same place. And it was like, what a small world. And then, you know, he's like, hey, I might need a graphic artist. You know, do you have your number? I gave my number. And then, you know, a few days later, he called me. He's like, hey, we're at Las Hadas. Come out. Come hang out. I'm like, what? Really? So I went and met, met, met the rest of the crew. And it just kind of like, we just, we just hit it off from there. Because we just, you know, um, I think I think we, we were made a good team. Because, yes. well, he's a cool guy. I'm a cool guy, I hope. <laughs> but, um, you are. You have nothing to worry about, my yeah, friend. Thanks. <laughs> but the thing is, I had been in the business since right out of high school. So I kind of knew the industry. I knew how it worked. I knew how production worked. This was his first show, which was kind of like an accident how it came about. But it became so successful and took off so fast mm-hmm. that, you know, whenever he had a, a, an, an industry question, he would ask me. And that, that you know, kind of became a give and pull because he would also give me opportunity. Um 
you know, that, that a lot of other people, you know, wouldn't give me. You know, they, they, he pretty much broke the mold when it came to how a show was made. I mean, they made so many shows on such a small budget and the way they redid it. And he pretty much, he pretty much invented that whole, what I call confrontational reality. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot, a lot of other shows started doing that, you know, yeah, where I... people come out and start arguing with the, with the talent. That became, that Lou was the first one to do it. And, and you know, it was all real. In the very beginning, it was all real because, um, you, you know, it was, he just said, well, we're in public. We can film, right? You know, and he just, we'll just film what happens. And that, that became the original first episodes were like that. Then later on, as the ratings, you know, grew, more legalities came into it and they had to start reenacting some of it. But it's all based on real events that have happened. But he has some of the craziest, craziest stories. But, but yeah, he, he broke the mold when, when it came to doing TV. And it was pretty much the first, I, I, that I know of, the first pretty much mostly Latino reality show. Yeah. Because nobody else was, nobody else was. And then to, then for True TV to, to pick it up, and put okay. these Latinos on on camera, it was like unheard of, and it was and and it a lot of animosity towards him because a lot of people were like, "Hey, you cut in line! I've been working my whole life, and you came out of nowhere and put a hit show together." And it's like, well, that's that's how it goes. He was he's very creative, very you know he's very passionate about what he does. So mm-hmm. so so yeah, I mean we we hit it off hit it off great since the beginning. But but yeah. Um, finally we're, we're getting to this movie because one day he just said hey I'm gonna make a movie <laughs> I'm like what really <laughs> you know like he just said we're making a movie and I was like thinking like oh man well, I'm thinking about the script I'm thinking about the production design I'm thinking about locating this and he just he just did it he just decided to do it and it was crazy because he had never done a movie before and the the DP that we got was a guy who had won a reality show. Um, I forgot the name of it, but it was a reality show where all these little filmmakers come together and then they make short films every week. And like uh, Terry Fisher was one of the judges. I forgot what it was called. But mm-hmm. the winner of that guy, he came on board to shoot this movie. Uh, and then we had another producer who kind of, nah, he didn't know what he was doing. I, yeah, I won't even say his name, but... but it, was, it became like a, a give and take of, of, of pluses and minuses. You know, I tried to help him when I could, but, you know, it was it was crazy because then also he started to see, like, like some of the, the I'm going to say rats the, the, that come out of the woodwork all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, they, you know, oh, he owes me this and that, blah, blah, blah. And it just kind of became a weird, kind of weird scenario. But, you know, but, you know, he, he did the movie. And um, it was like, wow, he, you know, there were some legal problems later, which is, which is why it got put on hold. Yeah. You know, at the time, it was kind of weird because they all, NBC owned everything, you know, they owned all this stuff, but they also right. owned Universal. And Universal had a show called Repo Men with Jude Law and Forrest Whitaker and this and that. So they had Repo Men coming out. And then they look at, Operation Repo the movie they're like wait a minute you can't have you know that's too similar to Repo Man we don't mm-hmm. want any kind of confusion so they kind of made us put it on the shelf for for a while and then just we, because of that word Repo yeah that seemed to be a, it seemed to hit a nerve with them and I don't know I don't know all the you know I wasn't in the meetings but that basically what it came down to is like they don't want us derailing their Repo Men you know because at the time you know Operation Repo was still a you know, a pretty big show, you know, you know, yeah. and um, so it kind of put it on, on hold. And then in, the, in that time, we got busy doing, you know, Dama Tinta, uh, Casadores. We, we were doing we were doing a lot of other shows at the time. And then yes. Fugitives of the Law also got picked up for, um, you know, uh, I think it was 20, 22 episodes. And so then we got busy with that and then other things. And it just kind of this movie just kind of stayed there. Um, but but yeah, finally finally it's coming together. He just decided, you know what? Let's just put it out because it was one of those things where it's it's been such a long time. Everybody you know everybody looks different. You know, Lou lost a lot of weight. Yes, you know, he did. A lot of it's just it's. I think he looked back and said we're different people then 
And he kind of, I, I feel he kind of was like, I don't know if I want to put it out, this and that. And I was like, you know, let's just put it out. Um, you know, we had, we had two screenings of it and we had positive feedback. We had one downtown Disney, this for a place called Indie Fest. Um, and, you know, we got, we, you know, we had a good reception there. And then, then we screened it a few couple of years later uh, in Las Vegas. It was the, I think, Las Vegas Latino International Film Festival or something like that. We, we screened it there. Oh. They also had a good, you know, good feedback. Uh, but since then, we've made a few little revisions, a few little pickup shots here and there to just kind of, kind of make the story, you know, make a little bit more sense. Um, now, I didn't do any of the writing or I didn't do any of that stuff. I do have like, a few little small parts where I'm like, you know, a person standing in the background. I'm a hitman answering the door. You know, I'm like, yeah, little <laughs> small little pieces. And, and, and it's funny because those pe- those small parts, I don't speak. I don't speak huh? at all. The only time you hear my voice is I'm the telephone operator in one of the scenes. Because <laughs> gotcha. we're, we're putting the movie together and I'm like, we didn't do any Foley. We didn't do any. I'm like, well, I have the recording studio. So I just recorded it all here. And there was one part where we needed a telephone operator so I just recorded it myself put the telephone sound you know on it and edited it in the movie um, but my my main part on it was that I, I composed the music for it um, nah. and it was one of those things where I remember we were outside of his office we were by his truck and he's like hey I know you're a musician do you do you have any songs maybe you can lend to us you know because it was still a still a you know a small budget and he couldn't afford like he wanted right. Guns and Roses and they wanted $200,000. He's like, uh-uh, no. <laughs> so he asked me, do you have any songs? I said, hey, say no more. I will compose original music for for this. And that's that's they- what I ended up doing. I, I wrote, you know, a lot of the themes. He, I mean, he got, like, he got a song from Tech 9 You know, Sal Rodriguez wrote some of the other songs. and stuff. But I wrote more of the traditional score. You know the strings, the piano parts. I wrote, I wrote that, which was something that I wanted to do since I was little. I wanted I wanted to be a composer. Um, right. I just didn't know how to start. I didn't know how to. And and Lou gave me a shot. He's like, here, sure, here you go, do it. Yeah. And and I was able to write, you know, write a lot of themes. And um, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited about it. I'm excited to finally have the movie out. So and I did the poster. <laughs> so yeah. Hi. Yeah. Um, are you able to tell us a little about what the movie's gonna have or what should we expect? The plot? Let's see. Yeah. Well, um, there's certain criminal organizations that are that are going that are happening. Deals going down, double crosses going on, and it just so happens that Lou and his team get caught in the middle of it which results in Linda being kidnapped. So now yeah. they, so have, they, have, they have to get Linda back. And that's, that's, that's pretty much what it's about. But, it, you know, it's action, but it's still, you know, the repo team doing funny things, talking the way they, you know, they talk. They, they come into a few situations. You know, there, there's good comedy. There's some other characters you're not familiar with that also have good com- comedic roles. But it's just, you know, it's, it's a fun movie and it's fine. It's fi- finally coming out. So, so, so yeah, who knows? Maybe sequel. Maybe. You never know. <laughs> Are you afraid of happiness or success? Um, well, I'm, I'm never, I don't think anybody's afraid of happiness. I would love to be happy. Yes. It, it, to, to be creative every day, that would be happiness for me. Um, you know, I, I, I like working at CBS. I like going to work and this and that. But I would prefer to do my own projects. So I don't think I'd be afraid of that. Afraid of success? That there, there's, a, there's kind of two sides to that question. Because I would love to be successful. That would be great. Just to keep doing what I'm doing and have the bills paid. But at the same time, I don't want success to make me lazy. And I, don't want, I don't want it to... to because I remember I was at, I was at Telemundo for 11 years and and it was crazy because it, I got so just stuck every year it was like oh another Christmas party oh another Christmas party you know after, after a while NBC got stingy and stopped having Christmas parties altogether but but it was like another year another year another sweeps another you know and then finally when they 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 laid me off which was a whole that's a whole other story I won't get into they, they laid off a lot <laughs> of people uh-huh. NBC wasn't a good company to work for it and it took getting laid off to, to finally 
you know, realize it. I mean, I kind of suspected it, but once I got laid off, it just kind of cemented that, yeah, the NBC wasn't good to Latinos. It was a whole thing between Telemundo and Channel 4. And, you know, but anyhow, um, once I got laid off, it put me back into the grind mode because I was just just there, you know, just, okay, I got my, you know, meditation days. I got, you know, another show came up, I'd promote, you know, but actually being forced out kind of made me get back on my toes and really hustle because I hadn't hustled in a while. Right. Because before in the beginning of my career, I was going from place to place. I'd work somewhere, boom, and then I'd get a stepping stone to a better job. And then I'd be there, meet some people, This I'd step stone to another job. And I would, I was always going up. But once I got to NBC, I stopped going up. You know, and then after that, I had a few, you know, little jobs here and there. I've been, I've been at most of the TV stations in L.A., in L.A., uh, but finally I was able to to take a risk and it actually paid off. And that's how I ended up at the talk, because I had ended up at Australia TV. And this was right when the economy was in, in the dumps where everybody like nobody was hiring. So I was just like, well, I'll just ride it out. But the talk had an opening for five weeks it was a five week spot mm-hmm. and it was just for while some while one of the artists was out on maternity leave and i was like oh should i leave this staff job at astrea tv which i didn't care for that job but it paid the bills you know <laughs> it actually paid the bills so i was like okay I'll, I'll ride out the recession until you know and then i'll get something better but i was like oh should i take a chance and leave a staff job for this five week gig and I said, well, if I do that, I can I can then put it on my resume, redo my reel, and just start aggressively just trying to get a better job based on that five weeks of work from the talk. And so I, I did it. I went, quit the quit Australia TV, went to the talk for, for four weeks. It ended up being a four-week gig. And that's what I did. I worked hard, hustled, and just over-delivered. I really tried to show that I could really do the job and it was a tough job it wasn't easy it was a t- it was a tough job um, but then right after we wrapped I was like okay my resume was up to date my demo I was starting to make calls I got a few interviews and then the talk called me and said hey we're gonna we want to add another person and we want you to be it so I was like oh you know it it actually worked out and it yeah. was all because I took that risk if, if yeah. I if I said no it's too risky I might still be at a straight communication, which I hated that job. And it, it forced me to get out there and hustle. And, and I took the chance and it actually paid off. So, so yeah, if I, if I, I don't want success to make me lazy. I want to keep pushing myself. And, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much, uh, I've been lucky. I've been fortunate. Yes. It's all about taking risks because you just never know what big blessing will come out of it. Yeah. You, you um, just never know. Yep. What are some challenges you face at work if you do? Hmm. Well, there's different different types of, of ways of looking at it. There's working as a Latino, which when, when I was you know younger, I didn't I really didn't care. Uh, because I just I didn't see myself as any race. I saw myself as myself trying to get a job and trying to work and do the best job I could. Uh, it wasn't until later that I realized that it is kind of a little bit harder to get ahead in certain certain businesses. Yeah. Uh, certain certain you know sections of the entertainment industry, I guess. And I remember I was at a job years ago at Four Media Company in Burbank. This was 1998, maybe, and okay. I was I was just a young, you know, a young graphic artist. And I remember there was a guy in the vault, and, and one day he says, "Hey, this is great what you're doing." He was a Latino guy, kind of cholo-ish, you know. And <laughs> he's like, "This is great what you're doing." I'm like, "What do you What do you mean?" He says, "This is great to see a Latino in the edit bay." Oh. And it didn't occur to me because my dad. My dad is an editor. Right. You know, he was at NBC. He got there in, in the early 70s or, or maybe 68, 69, somewhere around that he got there. And so it didn't really, I didn't really think about it. But he said, you know, this is great what you're doing. And I was like, well, I'm just trying here to make money. I need to, you know, I need to pay my bills. And, you know, and, 
and it wasn't until realized later later I realized it that he was right it was kind of kind of groundbreaking to see a Latino in the edit bay because there were no other Latino editors there you know this is like so the late the 90s not really no and then now that I look back my dad won an Emmy in 1976 a primetime Emmy which is like wow a Latino won an Emmy back then there were there were like no Latino editors it was kind of weird. So now I look back and it was a much bigger deal now that I look back on it. So, yeah, so yeah, it was, it was kind of one of those things where, you know, I, I was, I was at these other stations, but then I ended up at Univision. And then once I was at Univision, it was really, you know, then I went to Telemundo and then I went to, you know, that, that then they got rid of me and then, then Mundo Fox and then Australia TV. And I realized I'm like, you know what? I'm not getting out of the Latino market. I'm not. I'm, I'm just going from one Latino station to another Latino station. I said I'm not going anywhere. And I remember I would, I, I would, I would, you know, submit resumes to like Fox and and Channel, you know, Channel Seven and all these. But and like I couldn't get an interview with those guys. I could not get any interviews with anything outside the Spanish market. It was kind of weird. And and it wasn't until a, a fluke that I ended up, you know, at 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 the talk, which you know CBS they. You know, shout out to CBS. They're much better than than all those other ones. But yeah, it was really hard to break that barrier. That was really a challenge to get out of, you know, and then to go from Univision to Telemundo, you know, but then to Mundo Fox, which was like a level low. Which, yeah, that was a weird thing because I I had high hopes for them. You know, oh, it's going to be a Fox, you know, Fox owned. It's going to, they're going to have the Simpsons in Spanish. They're going to have all this stuff. And they didn't end up doing, they didn't do any of that. It just became a big bust because all they did was buy Colombian programming, which doesn't work in LA. It just, it just, it just doesn't. And and people are like, well, why not? Why does? I'm like, see, they they think the heads up think, oh, it's Spanish. People will, you know, it'll be it'll do great because it's Spanish and we have a good, you know, Spanish speaking audience. I'm like, yeah, but it's South American Spanish. It's not Mexican Spanish. That's why Univision is the top dog. They have all the Mexican actors with the Mexican accents. And mm-hmm. I tell him, I remember we'd have meetings. I'm like, would you go, would you watch BBC America all day? No, you can't identify with them. They have a British accent. Why not? They're speaking English. It just doesn't work like that. So, so yeah, Mundo Fox was a total bust. <laughs> and then they ended up going out of business anyway. So, so yeah. But it was, yeah, it was, anyhow, I'm rambling. But it was a challenge to get out of a- the Latino, you know, market into something, you know, a little bit, a little bit better. But, but yeah, that's, that's a challenge. Um, as far as the daily work um, I do a lot of the visual effects so they will come to me with sometimes ridiculous requests and I have to figure out how how to get it done (laughs) you know they wanted the one time they wanted to give away a car to this woman so they went and they wanted to have first they wanted a dinosaur to step on her car they wanted a dinosaur foot to land on it and I'm like, mm-hmm. ooh, that's going to be, you know, okay, that's a lot of modeling. That's a lot of work. Like, oh, no, let's do a satellite. Satellite lands on it. Like, okay, so we'll do a satellite. And then they ended up on it with a UFO. They wanted a UFO. So I had to, like, figure out how to make this woman's car disappear. And we weren't going to see the car till the day of. So it was like, I only had a few hours to turn this graphic, this graphic around. And it was challenging because there's no real... You know, you have to solve a lot of your own problems because there's no nobody ahead that you, you know ahead of you know above you that can ask advice. You just have to get mm-hmm. it done and get it done fast. And that's that's I think one of the reasons that I was able to kind of move ahead so so much is because I I problem solve. There's one thing you know I've had a lot of people work under me that they have a college degree, but they can't problem solve. You know, right. I look at something, I'll be like, okay, how am I going to do that? How am I going to make, how am I going to model this shape in, in 3D? How am I going to make this, you know, this effect in After Effects? How am I going to do this? You have to think outside the box and really rack your brain. It's another, it's another way of being creative. There's a lot, a lot of ways to be creative and problem solving is another form of creativity, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. But, but it, sometimes they do come to you with weird requests and you try to, you try to get it done. Um, I, I learned a lot of special effects. It was a, a short time back in the 2000, earlier, we are in the 2000, but you know what I mean, <laughs> a while ago. 
where I, I was <laughs> I was doing freelance work for Passions, and uh, that was a, a small time gig that you know my brother was able to get me in there just as a freelancer for the overflow. But as I, I was able to learn and practice a lot of special effects and visual effects. And that came in handy. That came in handy when I came to the talk because they they saw what I can do and started pushing for more spoofs. Um, you know, so we've done a lot of you know I've done Black Panther spoofs. I've done you know Star Wars spoofs. We've done a lot of spoofs, and the visual effects background really helps. Really helps make those you know you know so you can pull them off. But every day is a challenge. If it's not if if it's boring, I don't want to do it. I like I like being challenged. I don't like being uh, nagged. <laughs> don't no. nag me. You know, like where? Yeah. You know, where is it? Where is it? You know, like just give me a challenge. I will figure it out and I'll get it. I'll get it done. <laughs> exactly. Like wait, I'm gonna do it. Give it to me, and when I'm done, I'm gonna give it to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'll you'll like it. Don't worry. You know. Exactly. Yeah. Or they'll. If you. Yeah. If if you had the chance to go back to that one moment in your life that either made you really happy or just made you feel 110% complete which moment would that be mm, that is that that's a that's a toughie that okay there <laughs> I, i'll say there's i'll say there's a few that that come out of my mind okay musically musically there was one time i was in high school and we actually went to the junior high to play a concert and we played our regular set it was all jazz tunes you know this and that because i was in the jazz band i was a guitarist so then the the you know the whole auditorium filled with kids you know or younger people whatever and the ba the ja the band teachers like okay wrap it up let's go and he left he walked away and i remember the drummer just said hey oye como va and he started counting out And we just decided to play Oye Como Va. But that was mm -hmm. like, usually when we play that song, I was just doing the chords in the background. They, he never let me play lead. He never let oh. me play lead. Yeah. And this time I played lead because the teacher left. You know, so we're like, we did what we wanted. And I got to play the solo, the whole thing. I played Oye Como Va. And the kids, the reaction was like, wow. The kids woke up and were like, you know cheering and it felt it felt good like like yes this is this is oh this is what i want it was, yeah. it was it was so great it was like yes so musically i would say that moment i mean i played other shows since then and there, there were some good ones but that moment for some reason all those screaming kids was just because it was the whole auditorium full we i had never played a gig that full after that you know it was always small coffee shops or little backyards or whatever it's never like a full auditorium of screaming kids that was like that was a huge moment um and then i would say another one as far as television was probably the first time the talk won the emmy this was for season six which you know i came on board and uh -huh. you know finally it's like hey i'm invited to the daytime emmys after party you know all right hey the daytime emmys yay And, you know, so I'm at the party and, you know, Ellen always wins, you know, it's just that. And then people started oh. getting text messages that we won. And I was like, <gasps> what? He's like, the, the talk won the Daytime Emmy, the best talk show. And I was just like, hey, we finally, we finally, I, you know, <laughs> I did it. You're like, what? I did, you know, I did it. Now, now, because my dad won his 1976. Now it's kind of like, oh. I can get one too. I can, I can, because I never really, you know, I, I always worked, you know, in the local markets. I mean, when I was on Passions, I was a small time gig, but they never were up for any anything. This was actually a shot to actually win an Emmy, like my dad won, you know, decades earlier. So, you know, since then we've won two. So now I have two Emmys. Um, unfortunately, I don't get a statue because only the producers get the statues i have a plaque i have a gold plaque um, but hopefully this year before the the whole coronavirus came up i put together our submission reel to actually win a a an emmy for graphics and special effects um nice. so now i think this this year we actually have a shot at it. i say we because you know there are two other artists 
even though I did I did ninety percent of the work. Uh, but I, I, I still have to include them. You know, they're my backup. Um, but yeah. we finally have a shot of winning this year. Now, you know, now it's been put on hold. So now they're not. I think I think in a few months they're going to announce the nominees. So hopefully, hopefully we're nominated. Woo-woo. Hopefully we win because then that means I would get a statue. Because my dad, yes. my dad would have his stat. He had a statue in a glass case. You know, you're not supposed to touch it. Of course, when he wasn't around, you just lift the glass and you could touch it. I took some pictures with it, yeah. But to have a trophy of my own would be like, like good, and not one of the local Emmys. Local Emmys are little. I mean, the full size Emmy, you know, because I have right. you know golden. I've won you know as part of the news team for you know, golden mics and you know local Emmys. I want I want a, the real full statue. So hopefully, knock on wood. I want the real thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want the imitation. It's like no, you you want the yeah. you want the real thing. So, but yeah, that, that would be the second one, I guess. Nice. How can you describe your experiences uh, working for the companies you did for your um that had to do with your past and your present? Hmm. Let's see. Well, let's see. How do I? Okay. Let me. Well, how was that question? You're like, wait a minute, Janet. How do I even start I this? <laughs> um, I mean, it's 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 been a journey. It's been it's been. I mean, it was my you know the first job I had was working for my dad, working in the vault. Um, so it was kind of like it was a family thing, you know. So I, which means you get underpaid. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've always I've always been good at art. Always been good at you know, and it just made me a better graphic artist. And, um, you know, now I'm really just trying to use all that experience that I learned and just take it to the next level of, of doing my own writing and producing and directing. And I still want to do composing when I, you know, when I can. Um, yeah. But I'm trying to use all that earlier experience as, as you know, I don't, I don't look at, at, at time as, as I try not to, I try not to look at time as wasted. You know, like some of those jobs. I mean, yes, NBC sucked for a decade, you know, a little over a decade. And, and I had a lot of downfalls, but I try to use that to fuel where I'm going. Does that make sense? <laughs> so, it sure does. Yeah, so, yeah, like a lot of those jobs, I mean, they, they help me get to where I am. So I can't complain. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, yeah, but yeah, I really want to move to the to the next level of just being you know doing my own thing and being creative and writing and you know writing was something I was always good at even when I was in 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 school I would take writing you know classes and I would always ace them with all my my short stories and all that they would like they'd be blown away with how how I was able to write you know adventure or, or mystery or science fiction I was I was really good at writing everything um so and then it also it also translated into into my music whenever I wrote something everything had a story everything had some twist everything had a so now I'm just trying to you know bring that you know back and just do writing full time that would be nice to just do my writing yeah. full time but yeah. and it will happen yeah it will yeah. happen so for sure so yeah have you had a toxic relationship or friendship um, and if you've had, how did you get out of it? Hmm. Uh, that's a few. There's, okay. Well, let's see. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes, well, there was, there was one, there was one, <laughs> one, you know, it, this was a very, this was a long time ago and it was just a very short lived, short lived, you know, relationship, but, um, pretty much I didn't I didn't I didn't trust her at all so then I thought mm-hmm. I would do a test because I I did, I did a test and I I had a feeling that I was going to get laid off I had a feeling I had a really strong feeling but before it did I did get before I did get laid off I told her I got laid off and I never heard from her again <laughs> wow and it, you know it's funny because yeah, I know, and it, it was like, and she, it was funny because she was a huge fan of Univision, which I ended up my next job was Univision, <laughs> which mm-hmm. was odd. But I remember because yes, yeah, she, she wasn't very smart, but 
Years later, <laughs> we did a campaign at Telemundo called Haz El Click. And the thing was, the Telemundo would send out to all these Latinos event, events, they would send out a motorhome. And in the motorhome, they had these people with cameras. So they'd come out and take pictures of all the, you know, come take your picture. And we'd get all those photos and we would put it, we would make a commercial, you know, Tuetas Telemundo. And then we'd put up three photos of people where we have taken their photo up the previous week. And if you call this phone number, you can win prizes and, you know, Universal Studios tickets and t-shirts and win all these things. Well, it just, it just mm -hmm. turns out that I had to pick all the winners. So oh. I'm picking the winners because we didn't hire a freelancer yet to do it. So I'm going through thousands of photos and I came across her photo. <laughs> and I was like, well, you're not winning. <laughs> I went and threw it away. <laughs> I threw her release away. And that was my revenge. I was drunk with power. I, was, I, was, <laughs> I totally got my revenge. She, she'll never know it. But pretty much I made her lose. So and it was it was she could have, she would have totally won. She was very pretty, very you know, followed all the guidelines, lived within, lived in L.A. You know, age appropriate, all that, this and that. But I'm like, uh, -uh nope. I made her lose on purpose. Is, am I a bad person? You're like, oh. <laughs> You're like, ah, you ain't winning. Hell yeah, no. that was probably the worst. <laughs> yeah, her. <laughs> and was this a uh, somebody you had a relationship yeah. with, or yeah, okay, years ago. And you know, you know, sorry, you know, you know, you know how I should have known. She didn't like how? my car. <laughs> I had a Dodge Stealth, which is like a sports car. I was really proud of it, and she hated it. Oh. She hated that car. So why? Like, why would she not I like know, it? She didn't like it. Said she didn't like it. Huh. She preferred her. It was like a beat-up Mitsubishi. Sedan. I mean, it wasn't even a nice car, and I'm like, I paid. You know, this has leather seats. I should have known from there. I should have known from the get-go. This isn't gonna work because she hated my car, and and wasn't really a fan of my music. That was another thing. She really wasn't a fan of my music. What? Yeah, I know. She's supposed to be like your number one supporter. That's what. Yeah. Hello. Exactly. You know, t-shirt with my logo on it. She's okay. supposed to wear it. Didn't happen. <laughs> so there's flags already number one red flag she didn't like your mm -hmm. car but i bet you anything she will always be inside of your car um two another red flag would have been she didn't uh support you when it came to your passion of mm -hmm. music like yeah that would have been like a big no-no to me and i would have been like bye bye adios hasta la vista <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if you, if you looked at her, you'd be like, ah, oh, man, <laughs> she could have been a model. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but sometimes, you yeah, know, know, Randy, sometimes looks are not, you know, all I learned. Bad. I was, you know, I was 20, 20 years old. <laughs> what am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Do you have any future projects you like to share with us? Uh, well... Besides the Repo movie that's supposed to come out uh, in mid-June, I believe. Um, I'm working on actually pitching a show. Um, it, it's a show that, that I've been working with. Me and Lou Pizarro and Eric Solis were all co-creators on this, on this project. Um, and it, it was a project that we came, we came up with. Mainly it was Lou came up with this premise years ago. Long time ago. And he had another writer write it, and we were supposed to shoot it, but then it never it never materialized. It never it never happened. Um, and then years later, I was like, "Whatever happened to that project? The premise was such a good idea; it just never went anywhere." And he mm -hmm. says, "Yeah, well, this happened. And like Emilio Rivera was supposed to be in it. You know, he already talked okay. to him about it, and he was supposed to do it. But then Sons of Anarchy season five, they brought him back because because." Alvarez, you know, Emilio Rivera, his, his, he had kind of been forgotten in the middle of the series. He kind of, so this was going to be his next thing. But then, you know, they brought him back and then he didn't have time and this and that. And it just kind of fell apart. And then Noel G was going to do it. But then, mm -hmm. you know, he, he didn't fit the part. It was just, there was just a lot of problems. Uh, casting wasn't finished. It was, yeah. So then I, I said, we should, you know, let me rewrite. There were some issues with the script. I said, let me rewrite it 
and and then improve it and let's really start trying to pitch it again so he said okay right. do what you want here do whatever you want to it um so then i got the script and told it did a whole rewrite on it and changed it and you know added more more action added more you know more suspense more mystery more and i you know actually ended up you know writing this pilot which everybody who's read it is like wow this this has to get made this has to you know it's it's like a mixture of it's it's i hate i hate comparing it to other things but it's sons of anarchy meets breaking bad it's it takes place in a desert town it's very which is crazy because now once mayans came out it kind of there's some similarities and like wait a minute did mayans rip off my pilot <laughs> oh yeah i know oh. because the emilio's <laughs> agent does have that version of the script so we're like hmm I don't know but after mm. I saw it I'm like okay there's enough differences it's not the same it's a similar location but it's not it's not the same at all this show is totally yeah. different Mayans is I have a whole other thing about Mayans I'm not a fan of Mayans um, maybe now that Kurt Sutter's gone maybe they'll they'll fix some of the problems but Kurt Sutter doesn't know Latinos So season one and season two were garbage. <laughs> I'm not afraid to say it. You know, it's just, it totally, it, it makes it one-dimensional, not very good storytelling. Too many Sons of Anarchy characters are showing up. That's like a red flag. When all of a sudden all these characters are showing up for no reason at all, then it, that's, just, that's just laziness. And, you know, kind of like Fear of the Walking Dead. All of a sudden Morgan's on that show. All of a sudden it's like, that's when you're in trouble. When you keep bringing familiar characters hey you'll like us because we have these characters no, no, no. anyhow you're like <laughs> yeah. nope not the way yeah. to do it no, so guys. so anyhow I wrote I wrote this pilot and we were going to team up with Danny Trejo to actually get it done and we said okay we'll have Danny Trejo who wasn't in the pilot his character wasn't in the pilot he was just like oh he'll be the main character's dad and we handed it to the agent the agents you know apparently you know looked it over and this and that and said well Danny wants a bigger part I was like, oh, well, we think we would didn't we wouldn't have access to him because of his busy schedule. She's like, no, we, he right. wants a bigger part. So I'm okay. So then I went and rewrote the script again and added an extra 20 pages or give or take with this new character, Danny Trejo, in it. And that bumped, you know, that bumped the pages up to, you know, an hour and a half long pilot. You know, it, it went, it's really long now. But you know it, it, it bringing that character really kind of I think finished it it, it kind of finessed it and actually put the extra like wow now we have a script now we have you know you know but then things kind of fell through he started doing taco shops and this and that it just kind of uh, Emilio aged out of the part he's now too old to do it you know a lot of things started you know so and we just we had trouble finding you know networks to pitch it to and then I just decided yeah. you know what I'm just gonna I'm just gonna just gonna pay for it myself. So I started saving up money to actually just make the pilot, you know, myself because that's that's how that's that's how how much I believe in the project. And and not only that, a lot of right. you know, another thing is sometimes when a, when a network buys a property, they will just rewrite it and ruin it. I don't want that to happen. Now, I also, real quick, I was in another show with with Lou Pizarro called Gypsy Hunter and this was for True TV oh, yeah. with Rusty yeah you remember I, that I just remember that show. yeah yeah um, True TV we, we had put together this teaser trailer in this concept oh you know Rusty the bounty hunter and I would I'll just I'll just help him out I'm just the guy who helps out you know because I was bigger and younger I could do the physical stuff you know why why should he get his hands dirty I was the muscle uh, and I was working out at the time right Um, but True TV, <laughs> they went and bought it and they ruined it. They totally ruined the show. They started doing things like 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 the original you know stuff we did, we also had uh, Roman Morales and Louis Fernandez were also a part of the team. And mm -hmm. True TV cut them out. They're like, nah, they're too old. We don't need them. And they cut out <gasps> Louis and Roman. We're like, what? That gives us credibility because the show was about bounty hunting. 
And technically, none of us had a bounty hunting license except for them two. Those two were right. legally able to, to practice bounty hunting, and we weren't. When you cut them out, you cut out our credibility, and then all of it went all the whole because it's there's a very there's strict rules you have to follow when when doing bail enforcement, and all of that was thrown out the window by True TV, and it just it turned into a mess. And the show it never aired. We did we did one episode and it never aired because it was so bad. Um, and then we get Louis and Roman, and all of a sudden we put him in Fugitives of the Law, became uh, Mundo Mundo. Uh, Amundos's number one show. Yeah, those two guys. Talking that got about, fired. Mm-hmm. sorry to cut you no, off. Um, talking about uh, fugitives. Oh yeah. Um, are you guys ever bringing it back? Um, that would be nice. Um, I know, I know, Lou was talking to some people about it. I mean, it's still, it still airs. You know, and, and uh, Mundos is now NBC Universo. So, from what I'm told, it still airs. And it's been air- We haven't done an episode in probably six years, maybe. I think it was our last episode. And they're still airing the thing. And they're still, you know, so Lou's like, hey, we should get some, you know, get a new team together. And now, now, unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, Roman passed away. So, we can't, we can't have Roman. Um, you know, but Bombero will still do it. Monique will still do it. Louie will still do it. Uh, Jason moved. He moved out of state. Um, but yeah, we can we can do new episodes if somebody's you know is interested in it. I mean, we would totally do it. I still have the the, the red Dodge Magnum from the show. If anybody, any of your listeners, will watch Fugitives of the Law, Fugitivos de la Ley, the Fugitivos de la Ley, the red Dodge Magnum is my Magnum. That's my car, yes. and that's that's Ricky's vehicle. That's actually <laughs> the car that I built for Gypsy Hunter. So that was yeah. the car that I got I got built for Gypsy Hunter because it had the push bar, it had the cage, it had all that stuff in it. And Lou's like, well, maybe we can use it in this show because you know, they were using the Hummer. And, you know, realistically, the Hummer isn't a good spot to be transporting people that don't want to be transported. The Magnum right. has the actual cage in it. So mm-hmm. people can kick and you kick and punch and what they're not getting at it if you're locked in the back of the magnum i feel sorry for you you're gonna be in there a while because it's like it's it's like a police car it's um so yeah that is that is my my vehicle which i drove i drove uh, a couple days ago i took it to del taco (laughs) but mainly it's in my backyard i just keep it you know (laughs) i do drive it up to the snow once a year though because it's all-wheel drive um so so yeah i like cars there was a couple of episodes if I'm not mistaken that were filmed at your house right for Fugitivos de la Ley um yes there was the one in the backyard and just just so you know the, uh, a lot of these are reenactments so because you know, obvious reasons so if you're gonna yes. if you're gonna go on every single bounty hunt uh, or every you know you're gonna pick up every bond it's gonna be a lot of wasted footage and a lot of boring stuff so a lot of the times shows, and this is a lot of shows, they reenact a lot because they just don't have the time to be waiting around for something interesting to happen. So this is all mm-hmm. based on, you know, Louie and all them, they are advisors. These are things that really happen and these are situations that really happen. We just don't have the time to, you know, follow them around all day because it would be boring. Because for, yeah. you know, 90% of the time, they're taken into custody without incident. So budget-wise, you can't, you, you can't, do it so yeah they were reenactments um so yeah there was one with a preacher who was hiding in a jacuzzi that was my jacuzzi actually we did a photo shoot in that jacuzzi yes we, we did that. yeah that was the same jacuzzi <laughs> we did a photo shoot with the glow and glow entertainment girls uh so yeah. he was in there and i remember he, he he came with the wrong shoes so then they asked me hey do you have any dress shoes that we can borrow and i'm like well, i don't like any i don't like anybody wearing my shoes it's kind of weird <laughs> They're like, oh, you know, this, so I found some old shoes that he could wear. And I gave, you know, and he wore my, so he was wearing my shoes and then jumped out of the jacuzzi and then ran, jumped a fence, and then climbed up a dirt hill. <laughs> and that was, that was a dirt wow. hill that there was a school under construction behind my house. And that was, uh, yeah. Another thing is real, real quick for Operation Repo. One of the, one of the most popular clips is when uh, Matt flipped the BMW it's it's all over YouTube. That was actually my house. Oh, that they, I remember. Yeah, it. 
that was my house that they took the BMW from. They took it from my house. Uh, yeah, so my house became it. It's all we're always filming here. We're always yeah. doing doing stuff here. Um, so yeah, I think I think that might for fugitives. I think that might have been the only time um, we did a reenactment inside the house once. But that was that was a reenactment. That was that was kind of different. Uh, not a not right. a takedown. Um, but yeah, I think that might have been the only time for for that. But but yeah. <laughs> and the actually before I, I ask you the last question, <laughs> um, when do you guys uh, for the listeners so they can hear you guys? When do you guys have Operation? I'm sorry, Repo Radio. Oh, Repo Radio. Well, it yes. is every Thursday, uh, every Thursday morning, six to nine a.m. Uh, at the Duck Radio, which is a a station in the high desert, it's ninety four point three and one hundred two point five FM. Um, now, be, because of the mountains and because of you know ge- geographic location and this and that, a whole big technical thing, uh, and people in LA don't really get it. Parts of uh, Palmdale, Lancaster do, San Bernardino, and then the fifteen freeway all the way up to about Baker can can get it at ninety four point three one hundred two point five. Uh, but they do have a website where you can stream it at theduckradio.net. And we do Thursday mornings. Um, now, we pre-tape it. Um, so we started doing a a, thir- a Tuesday night uh, video stream. And we're kind of messing around. But it seems like right now it's pretty much on Lou's fan page. So if you go to Lou Pizarro fan page, uh, we've been streaming it there every Tuesday night. That's when we actually do the taping. Originally, we were doing mornings but it was kind of hard to get guests that early it was kind of hard for everybody to rearrange their schedule to come in on a weekday morning because we all have regular jobs so we ended up pre-taping most of the majority of them are pre-taped on tuesday night every once in a while we will drive up to to barstow stay the night that's where that's where the duck radio is in barstow sometimes we will go up there stay the night wake up the next morning and do an actual live show um, but because, especially now with corona, coronavirus, we haven't been doing that for a while. Um, yeah. So we've been pre-taping. And then here in the studio, we do with social distancing. I have tables spread out. I'm in a separate room doing my thing. Um, but, but yeah, you, you know, so Lupazaros fan page or the duckredo.net. Um, so tonight you guys will have it. Yes, it is Tuesday. Yes, tonight. Tonight, uh, at what we will we will be doing the the, the, the video stream, and that will be at what? Time? Uh, usually about eight 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 fifteen. By the time people get settled and we actually roll cameras, um, eight fifteen. It's a little bit. It's been a little bit harder because you know the whole you know the whole lockdown thing. We've been really yeah. like bare bones. So like I haven't had the producer coming because. I'm, you know, I, I hired a, a producer to help me out, a name Anthony O. Right. And so he's been out social distancing. We've just been like very stripped down. So I'm having to do multiple things at the same time. I got to run one computer. I got to switch on another computer. I got to play the de- the music back on one machine. I got to play sound effects on another machine, update the rundown and chime in on what the topics are. It's really, and then run the yeah. clocks. Run the, it's a whole yeah, it's a one-man band. <laughs> but you got it. That's the good thing. Yeah. Randy. So make sure you guys check it out tonight. Make sure you guys check yeah, it yeah. out. Um, of course, uh, for the last Uh-oh, question. I'm ready. Do you have anything anything to say before I ask you the last question? Uh, no. Um, just that you're a fantastic host. I hope you get a lot more listeners. And just, Thanks. yeah, hopefully Glow Entertainment comes back. Just because I miss photographing beautiful people, <laughs> and, oh, and uh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, you know, we'll we'll, we'll all be successful. So I know twenty twenty started got off to a rough start, but it's but it's okay. yeah. It can only go up from here. I hope. Yes. <laughs> and you gotta teach me a lot of stuff. Oh yeah, I <laughs> I know a lot of things. I, mostly I, out of necessity. I'm, I'm, it was one of the things like I yeah. can't afford to have someone do it. So I had to learn to do it myself. And that's just kind of yeah. like how, you know, I'm a washed up musician who learned how to record himself. And then from that, I learned, you know, video production and learned, you know, just learned a lot of other things. 
just also make sure that that it's getting done right. You know, exactly. if, if you hire someone and if if you make it obvious that you don't know that what you're doing, they may take advantage of that. And yeah, you know, it's like no, no, I I want to be able to. I can do it myself if I have to. I just prefer not to. <laughs> yep. So, exactly. Yeah. If you have any questions, oh. ask me. I'm I'm here to help. For sure. <laughs> if there is one thing you can change about your life, what would it be? Hmm. Well, I I have a problem where I'm just way too handsome. Uh, no, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I, I, I joke a lot. I, I, that, that's what always been one of yep. my things. I, I tell a lot of jokes. And I remember at school, back in the day, they, <laughs> people would, quote, bag on each other. And, oh, I was so good at that. I had the best comebacks. I was like, you know, I was just, yeah. So let's see. One thing I could change. Oh, man. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of hard because there's a lot of what ifs. I mean, I wish I had, back in the day, I remember in high school, AOL came out. And I remember thinking, man, man, I wish I had the money to invest because I would have bought as much AOL stock as I could have because, yeah, it turned out yeah. to be huge. And it's just I was broke. I didn't have any money yeah. to invest. But I knew back then, like, oh, man, if I, if I could have, you know. But let's see. I, I guess, like, one thing I could have changed was I wish I, I, wish I pushed my music a little more. Um, it, it was one of those things... Um, that yeah, I was just wish I did. I did more of. I mean, I, I'm still writing from you time. You could still do. Yeah, you could still do. It's never too late. Yeah, I just don't want to be like. I, I remember years ago, in one of my bands, we had a jam session, and the, my drummer met this guitar player, and said, "Hey, let we're gonna you know let's have a jam session." The guitar player said, "Okay, have it at, at my house." So we all, my band, we went to this guy's house. For this jam session and he came out wearing spandex like a Def Leppard t-shirt with holes in it huge hair and he was like 50 <laughs> I was like wow oh I was like I don't want to be that guy I mean he was really <laughs> holding on he was really holding and the sad thing was that he wasn't any good <laughs> it's like it's Aww. like, oh man, you should know by now. Yeah. I mean, and I know, I know I'm not the best guitarist, but I can, I can write up, you know, a storm as far as arranging and composing. I was just working on a theme, you know, the other night for Wicked Town. I'm finally like, I got to get a theme going for that. I started putting something together. I, I can, I can write, even though I'm not technically the best guitarist. And I think one of the, I think one of the things is that I didn't get a guitar until I was like 16. And I was in a jazz band. We would go to competition and I would get, I'd get shown up. I'd get blown away. People would, other bands would just crush me because they had guitar players that played when they were like six. So I was way at a disadvantage when it came to, you know, I mean, I could practice all I want, but they just were just that far ahead of me. So I wish I had a guitar earlier. And and I remember asking, like, I want a guitar. And my mom and dad no, you're not going to play it. You won't play it. And, and because they, my, apparently they had a piano before I was born and my brothers didn't play it. So they're like, yeah, let's get rid of it. And it's, so they assumed, oh, well, he's not, he's going to want the guitar for a week and then put it down. Well, now, yeah. now I have five guitars. Now I have, you know, two pianos. Now I have, you know, I'll, I have a trumpet, a violin, a drums, a galore. I mean, I have so much stuff. It's not something that went away. Um, so yeah. I just I kind of wish that I had a guitar earlier just to kind of get a head start on some of those other you know and then like I kind of taught myself how to play so there's things that about the guitar that I do wrong <laughs> you know I don't hold I don't hold a pick right I don't do I don't you know which could be an advantage like you know self-taught versus you know maybe in you know learning bad habits from someone else. I don't know you know but yeah, I guess that would be. I wish I'd stuck to music more. That's probably that's probably it. Um, yeah. Hey, but like I said, it's never late. Yeah. Well, hopefully, oh. hopefully, in the Repo movies coming out, people hear some of the songs and be like, "Wow, that's kind of nice," you know. Or yeah, you know, you never you never know. I do have an album that is unfinished, and I'm trying to use this oh. time 
to to finish it um so so yeah wish me luck <laughs> for sure i wish you all the luck in thanks, the whole white thanks. world you're very welcome thank you so oh, much course. randy for being with me tonight and do you have any other words you like to say um, no you can check out um you know stylitarium on instagram s-t-y-l-a-t-a-r-i-u-m um or you could go to facebook there is also a stylitarium page and there is randy martinez artist that's also there if you want to look at my some of i think i think some of uh i don't know if i have any photos of you up there i could i could look for one and put one up <laughs> oh no <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll put we'll put some of them up. Oh, no. <laughs> but yeah that's pretty much it Just follow me on social media and uh, don't be afraid. Come say hi. Yes. Say hello to who the hell is Randy yeah, Martinez. Yeah. Real quick, which that name, who the hell is Randy <laughs> Martinez? I was working at Telemundo and I had done a billboard. And that it went up on Friday. That Monday, they fired one of the, the, the reporters, either the sports guy who was in the billboard. They fired him. It's like, man, we, we did this all this whole billboard for nothing. So as a joke, I put my face over his face in Photoshop. I went and Photoshopped myself into the poster and wrote my name on it. So I went and hung it on the door. And the anchor came in looking for a cigarette because they were going to do a story about cigarettes. And she needed a cigarette. And okay. nobody, in the, nobody in the graphics room had a cigarette. But she went to leave and she was looking at the, do- at the picture on the door. And I'm, I see her in my periphery view. She's staring at it. And she looks to me and she's like, <laughs> who the hell is Randy Martinez? And she's looking right at me. I'm like, what? That's me. Uh, That's hello. Me. She didn't, she, she didn't know my you. name and she didn't know my face. It was like totally, yeah, Lucia Navarro. She was the first who said, who the hell is Randy Martinez? I thought it was so funny. I went home and bought who the hell is Randy Martinez.com. And then <laughs> since then, like I even had a few celebrities, like I had Flavor Flav saying it. You know, I had Emilio Rivera saying it. You know, I had I started as a joke. I started getting celebrities to say, "Who the hell is Randy Martinez?" You know, Mia St. John, is- Deborah Wilson. I had all these people saying it. Um, you know, yeah, and it, it just became a joke. Who the hell is Randy Martinez? So that's what that's the story behind that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I was gonna ask you about it, but it just oh yeah, whoop, my- that's it. So thank you for bringing it up. Thank you so much, Randy, again for your oh, you're time. Welcome. Have a great week, everyone, and have a good night.